Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Today, we're interviewing Khadija Jafarji. She had built a portfolio of over $50 million with Dow JV. What I love about this episode is that she breaks down how did that happen. And most important, we have deeper conversations about entrepreneurship and when enough is enough. That, that was my favorite part, and I believe that you're going to love it too. Before we get into her story, let's hear a word from our sponsors. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, and this is Andressa, and today I'm running solo. So weird, but bear, bear with me here. My partner in crime, Liz, is on vacation, and I'll be running the show by myself. Help me out, people. Today, I'm so happy. We are going to talk to Khadija Jafferty, and uh, it's complicated when you look at building a portfolio. Many people say, well, there's only one route. You need to do partnerships, and you, you need to follow this, this recipe. And today we're going to talk about how she was able to build a $50 million portfolio without any partners, and all that happened until she got into that. Khadija, thank you so much for being on our show today. Yeah, Andressa, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. And, um, you know, I think that it, there needs to be more women conversations. So I'm so excited to be on your show. Super excited to have you. Before we get into that, though, we always ask a very deep question at the beginning, right? So we can get into the vulnerability part right off the bat. So for you, what is the lesson that is taking you the longest to learn? 
Oh boy. Um, I think it's, uh, I think something that most entrepreneurs struggle with, but I think it's definitely a delegation. So, uh, we, as, as much as we do have staff and, you know, we have grown a business, uh, I still struggle with it every day. My perfectionist tendencies and being able to let go of certain things have definitely inhibited some of that. And, uh, but, you know, it's a work in progress. It's something that I actively try to work on every day, making sure that I'm building out systems and being a good leader so that I can delegate. I was having this conversation the other day about leadership, right? Because I I went through two master's degrees and nobody told me about what it is to run a business as a leader. Like, we should have a class on delegation, don't you think? Yeah. It's just a basic of business instead of, oh, I'm going to teach you how you're going to run it. Yeah. Totally not doable. That's not life. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, all the theory in the world is is wonderful as well. But I think that as you go through cycles of business, you know, you learn some of the hard knock lessons as you go. And, you know, you become a better person every day. And and, and, and that's just part of evolution in what we do. A hundred percent. So let's talk about how you got started, because many people might look at you right now and say, wow, she has a big portfolio, right? And everything went well for her. (laughs) Your first deal, you guys lost $10,000. And for many people, that can break that can break their their hope, their 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 aspiration to to have a better life. Walk us through what happened, and most important, how were you able to recover, stand up, and really focus on building the business that you have now? Yeah. So, um, you know, I got married, and everybody's journey is different. But I got married when I was young. I was twenty three years old when I got married. Uh, my husband was already. Uh, He's sort of into entrepreneurship. He was doing lots of different things. We were both working. We both had degrees. My husband's an engineer. I have a master's degree as well. And, um, you know, he he already kind of had a segue into real estate. He was thinking about it. He had done a flip. And so, you know, it just it just kind of he brought me into it. I, I always wanted to do more. I, I, I was open minded. I was young. And, um, you know, we we bought our first few deals uh, far away from home. We were buying what you call, quote unquote, cheap properties, which a lot of investors do. You know, $50,000 deals, uh, deals that didn't require a whole lot of capital to get into because we didn't have a whole lot of capital. We made some core mistakes, I think, which led to the losses, which is that we were buying based on price alone. We weren't looking at economic fundamentals. We weren't looking at tenant profiles. And we weren't looking at the fact that we did not have control over the jobs, especially because we were such young investors, new investors. So I know that there's people who are comfortable right away investing far away from home, but my personal experience and my advice is, you know, your first deals, uh, do it close to where you live. You have more control and you can learn better, uh, which we didn't do. So our first deal, I mean, it was it was it was not a very complicated loss. We had a contractor run away with over twelve thousand dollars of money. He said the money, the, the job was being done every time we would call him for updates. You know, yes, yes, the tiles are in. This is done. This is done. And then finally we went and, you know, nothing was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we lost some money. We transacted the deal. And, and you know, that was it. But I think that we still believed in the model. We still understood why we lost the money. And we also understood right away that, you know, being educated people, that you have to educate yourself. Like we were just buying real estate. We didn't know what we were doing. We hadn't attended. It was kind of like, hey, somebody told us that, hey, this is where you got to go. You can go hook up with this realtor and off you go. Right. And that's what we did. So 
I think then, you know, you take a step back and you sort of say, hey, like, what can we do to fix this? And so we started exactly that. We went to lots of meetups. My husband joined um, Real Estate Investment Network, which is one of the biggest investment groups in this part of Ontario and Canada where we live. And I think that that's when we started actually understanding about economic fundamentals, understanding how to pick a market. And based on that, we transitioned into a much better market, which is where our journey actually took off. I really love that you were saying that, though, because in our Facebook group community, we have women that sometimes they come and say, is this a deal? Right? As if the property was located in the air, right? And isolated in a funnel. And my favorite answer is, it depends. It depends if that property is located in the market that I am in. It is a deal. If it is located in another market, it might be like, no. So Liz always says the the property is the last thing. Yeah. The last thing. You need to know the market as a as a whole. And then you need to know the street, the little like the known the invisible boundaries, people. And that that's how you know if your realtor really knows what she or he is doing when you ask, what are the invisible boundaries over here? What do I mean by that? Of course, we want to narrow down by county or zip code so we understand, right? But there are some invisible boundaries such as avenues, bridges, restaurants, right? Or or a, a nightclub. Well, that nightclub over there, I don't want to pass this block because I'm too close to that. Or I'm too close to that train station and the noise is just crazy. However, I want to be close enough two blocks away or three blocks away, but I don't want to be like, here's the train passing <laughs> by as I am sleeping. Right. So really understanding those invisible boundaries first to even see if the pro the property qualifies. And then the last thing you go inside. But I love what you said that you guys looked at it, took it in as as a lesson. So you paid ten or twelve thousand dollars to learn that lesson. Right. Yeah. And I've I've paid I've paid a lot. And people that come along and say, Well, I had mentors or I didn't have mentors. Either way, you are paying to learn those lessons and then yeah. to, as you were saying, tap into a community and the knowledge in order for you to move forward. But let me ask you, did you guys have conversations such as, well, we effed up here. This is not for us. Like, did you doubt it? Because a lot of people that are listening are going through it right now in their heads. Yeah, no, of course, everybody does. And, you know, coming, I mean, we come from immigrant families. Failure is not considered an option. Like, it's not a positive thing. It's, you know, nowadays we're raising children in a different environment where we're encouraging them to fail. We weren't raised like that. It was, you know, you bring home a A, it's like, why didn't you get an A plus? That is the kind of hard knocks we came from, right? So, yes, yeah. failure is not considered uh, something that is taken lightly. And it is something that is a very negative thing. Not the way you just phrased it, like, oh, this was a $10,000 mistake. Like, oh, no problem. Like, let's just move on. 
and definitely wasn't like that. However, I think that, again, going back to this age thing, I don't know whether it is the truth or not, but I just believe that we were young. And I think when you're young, things are just different. We didn't have children. We didn't have a lot of overheads. Uh, we didn't have a lot of responsibilities. It was like, yeah, we effed up. Like, yeah, we have to have like, you know, like, like, right. When yeah. You don't know what you don't know. It is a blessing. It's a blast. Yeah. And I think a lot of naivety because um, we also just we had never had money. So like we we came from school, we, we, we started working. OK, we had a little bit of money, but we lost a little bit of money. So, you know, you kind of just keep moving forward. Um, but yes, definitely. We, we, you know, we had moments of like a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of anxiety. Right. So and you're dealing with it alone. I remember that and I still remember I still go through that because there's not a lot of people who understand what you're going through, no matter how big or small the loss, whether it's monetary or otherwise. It is sometimes a very lonely journey. A hundred percent. And I think that the more that we share that that happened to us with others and they say, like, oh, OK, so it allows other people to say, well, I'm just going through this right now and I feel like whatever because I shouldn't, I knew better. I shouldn't have given this person the money or, or well, my mentors, when I, I struggle with different things in business, right? As you're growing, you're, he always says, congratulations. I was like, wait a minute. I don't think you heard me. It's not going well. And this and this and that is happening. Congratulations. You have elevated to the next, you know? <laughs> session it is just part of doing business and so really setting up the expectations about the journey the entrepreneurship journey i believe is is so so important and i just want to emphasize what you said about immigrants right (laughs) (laughs) because it's a mentality that i didn't know any other way what right i remember um when i applied for my master's degree in the u.s I I was for sure like, why wouldn't I, I got accepted? Now I just need to go to the embassy and just get the stamp that I'm good to go, right? Like no brainer, right? I, what's the point? And I got denied. I got denied at the embassy. I got a no. So when I came out, I remember my mom was looking at me and said, okay, good to go. And I said to her, no, they denied. Yeah, and I was like crushed because I was like, really won this master's degree. I studied for it. I did all the tests. I passed it. And now because of a visa, because I don't have quote unquote tight tights with the, with Brazil. I was like, my family's here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what my mom said? My mom did not say, Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. She said, what's the plan? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was like, if I just cry for half an hour to just like, she was like, yeah, absolutely. But on our way back home, after this half an hour, we need to brainstorm. What is the plan? <laughs> yeah. What we're going to do, because there was no doubt in my mind, my, my, my mom's mind, that that was going to happen. I think that you understand this in business, no matter what, the 10K that you lost or the other things that came after that, you're like, there is no way. There is no other way but this. You said something so beautifully on your uh, application that says that when you had your child, that 
was the most like motivation for both of you to really build this beautiful business? Because I see a lot of people say, because I have children, then I cannot yeah. do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the case. And, and I, you know, as a woman, and I know other women are going to hear this, is that, you know, I understand the struggle is real. It is not something that I am negating or saying it doesn't exist. Being a woman, a working mom, having children, having a house to run in today's world is extremely challenging. There are not enough hours in the day. And there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to be this perfect person, the perfect mother, the perfect business person, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend. Like there's all these pulls and you're just one person trying to do everything. And I appreciate that very much. However, I truly believe that children are, they are so special. You know, it's, I had, I got married young and I tried, we started we started trying to have kids, I'd say about four or five years after we got married. So we were fairly young in in in, in most biological standards, but we had a hard time. Um, I had two late second trimester miscarriages before I had my child. So like 20, 22 weeks. And it was heartbreaking. And it just made me uh, want and appreciate my children so much more. So when my son, my first son, Daniel, came, he was like a gift. When When I conceived him, the doctors had told me that if this time it doesn't work out. We're not going to intervene anymore. Like, this is it. So this is your last chance. And, uh, you know, he came. He was born on 40 weeks on the dot. And, um, you know, everything changed after my kids came. My husband left his full-time job, I'd say, just about a year before Daniel was born. It was coming to a juncture where we had our business and things were push and pull at work was not, you know, it was either leave your job or you're probably going to get fired. So let's leave your job. People were, everybody was like, are you kidding me? You're, you have a baby on the way. Uh, you're leaving your job. But you know, it just, it was just the timing. It happened. And then after Daniel came, um, it was like, you know, this is it. I've worked so hard for this child and I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave him at daycare every day. It's just not what I want to do. And two years after Daniel was born, he was born in 2016 and 2018, I found out, well, in 2017, I found out I was pregnant again and I was having twins identical twins. Wow. What a miracle. Exactly. Right. So 2018, uh, you know, my twins came and I can literally tell you without doubt that the trajectory of our entire business completely catapulted after 2018. I'd say 90% of our growth has happened between 2018 and today. So even with having three kids at home, I truly believe they were the biggest blessing. Like they just brought so much abundance into our life and just gave us so much purpose. And every day when you wake up now, it's like, hey, what am I really doing this for? Not just on a monetary level. It is not even about money. It is about, and I say this all the time because we podcast too. So I say this often is that, you know, it's not about the goal. It's about who you become in the pursuit of that goal. That really is important. And that's why those goals, people always ask, like, when is it enough? Is it enough now? Are you done? You have enough? Are you done? And, and the answer is no. The answer is no, because I need to continue to become a better person for myself, but most importantly, for my kids. I want them to see their mother in as being a, a super powerful force in their life. Like, one day I want them to 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 look back. You know, you 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 go um and you hear these press releases of these like famous people, right? And they're they're accepting awards or whatever, and their kids are coming up on stage and talking about their parents, right? Uh, you know, my father impacted me so much and I'm this whatever it is that I'm I'm, you know, doing I'm a doctor now and I'm doing this or I'm whatever it is that you're doing, research or 
because of the impact that my parents had on me, right? So I, I want my kids to say those types of things about me that, you know, my mother accomplished all these things and my father accomplished all these things. And, um, you know, that generational intellect that you pass on, the, the habits, the discipline, the things that they see us doing every day that are so integral to making sure that we're raising uh, boys, especially I have all boys, uh, who are going to be successful. Oh my gosh, ladies, <laughs> what just happened here? <laughs> I want to unpack this. So I don't think I ever heard so eloquently what oh. you just said about how when enough is enough, right? And and this makes so much sense to me now. You kind of like, thank you. You connect the dots in my head, right? <clears throat> because I believe many, many, many women and, and men are always asking, okay, when enough is enough for me? Monetarily, we can totally put that over there, that number, right? Enough to survive, enough to live the life that I want. But what you're saying here, you'll become a better person as you go in this journey. And I had this conversation with Liz every time, every day, every week about the work, doing the work and who we are becoming. Last year, that person does not exist anymore. And it's just like, I've, I've been like put upside down, inside up, like all, all of it above. I really appreciate you so much connecting the dots because I think there's a lot of pressure into us, quote unquote, reach what enough looks like. And then when you're like, well, the journey is about me becoming my best version or or the different versions that I have. And and is that, it, well, that will end when I die or when I, maybe in heaven, my son always asks this question, we continue in heaven? How do we look like in heaven? I was like, honey, I believe we continue. Okay, let's, let's just go for it. So maybe we'll continue infinity, becoming that. And you mentioned here about the legacy. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I think a lot of investors think about the generational wealth as the assets, right? That we're passing along and then the properties itself. That That's a given, right? We're going to do that because we have built. But I truly believe that our way of being, our how we deal with different circumstances, the skill set, that is the biggest legacy. It is. That, I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of of that part in their their business or or how you were able both young age and growing a business, how were you able to do that? 
So when we dive in, let's let's go there right now because I want to connect the dots. You guys have built a large portfolio with Dow JV, right? If we just like say, okay, what it's what's the most common thing? If that's not the most common pen, right? That would be a freaking awesome skill set to transfer for generations to come. But since we have the podcast here, let's let's break this down and spread the word out. How were you guys able to do that? But let, let's go back to, to, to the beginning. Was that the plan to start building it without JV and how you were able to do that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that it came from a negative thing. It came from a fear, a fear of uh, joint ventures. It came from a fear of having to be accountable to other people about money because, you know, again, immigrants, like money is a touchy thing, right? It's like, we've always been taught by our parents, like, don't get involved with other people's money. Like, don't take money from people. It's going to cause complications, you know, family involvement, like all these kinds of connotations, which I don't necessarily agree with anymore. But that's where it rooted from. It rooted from a place of, hey, let's just do this by ourselves so that there's no complications. We don't have to ask your brother or your father or your friend because we thought we were asking. Which yeah. now, again, you realize it's not asking. You're bringing value to other people by asking, right? You're, you're, you're bringing a, a deal to the table. But anyway, that's where it stemmed from. So we said, okay, like, let's just build this by ourselves. We'll, we'll build it slowly. But, you know, it, we, we, we live in the greater Toronto area here and our market has done really, really well. I think the market helped us as well. But uh, so we just, we just, my husband comes from a construction background. He's a construction engineer. And uh, we just started, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, simple model. And at the time, when he first started, he was doing these duplex conversions, which not a lot of people here were doing. So we would buy old bungalows, we would add basement apartments. So then legal legal basement apartments, we mm -hmm. go through the city permitting and everything, we build two units. Um, and I think that that was our bread and butter. We did that uh, and we were burring fast. Uh, speed was the name of the game. We were buying, we were renovating quick, uh, renting out both units and then pulling out our money. And we were both employed at the time. So financing was a little bit easier for us because of that. That's why we held on to our jobs for as long as we did. So I always tell people, like, don't leave your job unless you're 100% sure you've got a plan in place because employment actually can be beneficial for various reasons. You have steady income, financing, all that stuff. So when you fast forward, we accumulated about 20 of these over, I'd say, about five years, five, six years. Uh, so we, we bird all these properties. We held on to them. And then um, in 2018, we started flipping. Uh, flipping became like our bread and butter and we were doing because we already had all this construction. So the flipping was generating large amounts of income and influxes of income because we were doing a lot of big deals. And so that's when we decided, okay, let's start buying and burring apartment buildings. And that is what really catapulted it. So the apartment burrs, we were also borrowing private capital at that time, just on like promissory notes um, to help us with the renovations. Like certain, I think in like 2019 or 2020, we did over a million dollars in capital improvements just in our apartment buildings. So it's capital intensive. It's, you know, not definitely not a beginner strategy, especially when you're not in a JV, because at the beginning, it, the properties are not making any money. You're basically carrying an asset. There's a lot of capital expenditure involved before you can burn the building. So, you know, that's essentially what we did. And uh, it was a slow and steady burr. But then once we got really comfortable, we were able to you sort of leverage again, once we had a much higher income, and then leveraging promissory notes and other private money to burr larger buildings. And I mean, there's no secret sauce. It's just kind of worked out like that. And 
The other thing is in our market, we have hard landlord-tenant board rules. It's not easy to turn buildings over. So because of that, it was, again, a hesitation to bring in capital because my husband's a syndicator in the U.S. too. We do deals in the U.S. It's a lot more predictable in the markets that we work in. We're able to execute our business plan much more flawlessly. Over here, we had some struggles, political struggles. So that was another reason why we never felt comfortable bringing on joint venture partners. We could sustain that mentally, that, okay, this project could take six months, it could take one year, it could take two years, depending on how things go with turnarounds. But bringing on somebody and making promises to them, you know, your word is your most important thing. And in this industry, once you screw that up, there's no recovering. So I think that a lot of that came from that. And, you know, like, I don't know if you deal with it, but a lot of us, we deal with a lot of imposter syndrome. It's like, Am I really like, am I really good enough to like ask somebody for money to do this deal? Like, who's going to want to do this deal with me? Like, I'm not really sure. So I think we struggled with that. Even once we got bigger, we still struggled with a lot of imposter syndrome. But at the end of the day, you know, look, like, I I think it worked out. Like, we're very, we're very blessed. We have these legacy assets, which is always what we wanted. And I think that now we're in a position where we can start, we have started building out a private equity company where we're attracting capital. But I think we have a, we have our own property management in-house. We have our own project management in-house. We have, the proof is in the pudding. Like now I can go to people and say, look, like we run this $50 million self-capitalized portfolio. We do everything in-house. We're operationally stabilized. We know what we're doing. Okay, now would you reinvest, would you want to invest with us on this large deal? And and now the conversation becomes a little bit different. I, I can see the journey. I can see the reasons why strategically you guys cap the jobs. Because what I keep hearing a lot is that 2020 people either lost their jobs or they're like, well, I actually don't like it. So let me jump in and start raising or syndicating apartment complex with no experience prior, yeah. no nothing, right? Yeah. But the the small deals, it's like, you know, you're you're getting a thick skin as you as you go along, and you, you're dealing with people and managing construction and operations as a whole. It requires a lot of skills that not everybody. Let me. How can I be nice about this, people? What I'm trying to say, here's what I'm trying to say. You guys know that I'm very honest, right? Not because somebody's on a seat means that that person should be on that seat of operations, of managing. That person needs to have the skill set in order to manage properly. Otherwise, it's just a struggle. And I think that you guys had the right seat in place. Otherwise, the right person, the right seat. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to to grow and now say, hey, this is our journey. We went through it. We're just speaking from from our experience, not from what I watch or on YouTube or or listen to other podcasts where other people are are doing. I, I really love that. When it comes to burr in, I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it up larger apartment syndications what talk to me about your time frame or if that really is different for every single deal uh you're talking about the apartments that we were buying here and burring yeah yes so i mean um the quickest ones we've done have probably been uh 
let's say, one year end to end from the time we take over to the time that the current tenants move out, renovate and have full occupancy. I'll be say, what, what was that? So that particular deal, I'd say, was I think that one was about 16 to 18 unit deal. Gotcha. Uh, you know, the larger we've had 12 unit, 15 unit deals, which, again, uh, take that time. The issue here, like I said, is our turnaround. We can burr buildings fast because we have our own in-house staff. And again, controlling things in-house is super important. I think with uh, control, again, going back to our history, uh, we brought everything in-house for exactly that reason. We have our own property management company. We in-house manage all of our units, our own construction management. We don't have a construction company. We still hire subcontractors and trades, but we have our own construction management. So we have our own project managers. When we were heavily flipping, we had two full-time contractors who worked on payroll as well. They still subcontract for us now. So we tried to tighten things up as much as possible, which allowed us to control our timelines, control our quality, um, allows you to control everything. And I think that people underestimate the importance of operations, especially like you said, in syndications. So my husband's a syndicator now, and we see around us so many syndications falling apart. And the reason they're falling apart is because they cannot execute on the business plan. Everything is great in theory. Okay, I'm going to buy this building. I'm going to renovate all these units. And then in five years, you're going to double your money and like, oh, off we go to the races, right? Completely doable. But what is the operations experience of the person you're investing with? It's who you're investing in, right? And does that person have the operational know-how to execute that? And I'm not saying I do either. Uh, some of these properties that are, you know, syndications are a team sport. There's lots of players involved for that very reason. But somebody in the driver's seat better well know what they're doing. Otherwise, uh, you know, raising capital is just, to me, that's just the icing on the cake. <laughs> like, that's the easy part. Like, let's raise the money and get it locked in. And then that's when the real hard work starts. And, and syndications go on for five years. Our deals go on, the ones my husband's working on, three to five years. So you're you're literally running a marathon. It, it, exactly. And I think that there is a misconception about it, right? It's like, oh, I I went through the journey of, you know, getting this property under contract yeah. and raising this exactly amount. No doubt. I'm not taking any discrediting any anything like that. But then when you close, when you get the money. Then I feel my the feeling that I have is that now I have bags of cash in my back that I'm responsible for for the next five to seven years that I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to make sure that that goes back to to them. But that's when the that's where the work starts. 100 percent. That's where the hard work starts. And I do not see. Even for the ladies, if you are investing as a LP, you've got to get to the, I like to get to the nitty gritty of who is the operator. Yeah, that's the operator. Just just getting to that. And I'm always curious, like, tell me about how many like life cycles you went through it. Because a lot of people started in 2020. So they haven't completed the... They haven't gone to hell back and forth a couple of times yeah. <laughs> in order to say, okay, when shit hits the fan over here, this is what we did in the past or, right? And I don't think there is that, that deeper due diligence when from the LPs or, or JV, when you were in the GP partner up and bringing it to really understand, okay, 
who is really driving the operations here and let's talk about is this an integrator person okay is he a true or he or she true integrator or is just sitting there does he or she have the capability the time the experience to do that because i think that can make it or break a syndication 100 percent, it's gonna make or break this and exactly what you said like we invest a lot in mentorship we have a lot of people who have helped us and one of the things that we like to talk about, my husband and I talk about, is that, hey, like, how long have they been in the business? And not to negate somebody who's new to the business, but real estate is a cyclical business. And if you can say you've ridden the waves for the last decade, then I feel that you have enough experience to say, hey, like, okay, I've seen it all. I've seen, a, not all, but I've seen enough to understand how things can go, right? Somebody who's only been around since you know, 2020, let's say, like between 2019 and now or 2020 and now, you've seen what happened. Everything was great. There was lots of gravy, right? It was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, interest rates go up and everybody's caught with their pants down. Like, you know, you need to you need somebody who said says that they've seen all of that and mm -hmm. understands how to mitigate risk ir irrespective of market conditions and curveballs. There can be all sorts of curveballs that get thrown at you in this business. And, you know, it, it, that's the nature of the beast. Totally agree with you. Can I agree even more? And and for the, we don't want to discourage all of you that are listening that just got started to say, well, but now what? Am I screwed? No, you can't no. get a tap into the community of the women that we have in our Facebook group. Yes. Tap over there. Reach out to, we have plenty of the women that are coming on our podcast that you can listen to them. You can really figure out, okay, they went through it. And how can I adjust accordingly? This has been great. We I know we can go on and on here. Yeah, no, it's where, been so where much Where's the women that are listening and the, the guys too? I cannot discriminate. All the guys that are listening is like, ah, you just talk about women. All right. For all the allies that are listening to us right now, where they can find more information about you. Yeah, so uh, I have an Instagram account. It's my full name, Khadijah uh, Jafarji. And uh, we also have our own podcast. It's called the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. So you can check us out on iTunes and uh, visit us on our website, SavvyRealEstate.ca, just to see uh, if there's any projects we're working on or uh, what we're up to. Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? Oh, man, I don't know about ever. Of course, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually every single podcast guest on my show, believe it or not, like in the last 50 or 60 episodes has said Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm not even joking. So yes, Rich Dad, Poor Dad definitely changed our life. But um, recently I read Who Not How, and uh, we've been talking about this delegation thing. So that book, I say, is really important for any entrepreneur to read to really understand. Uh, you know, if before you tell yourself something cannot be done, ask yourself who, not how. Love that. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? Yeah, so I, I know it sounds simple, but for me in the mornings, um, I just, I wake up and I have a warm, hot cup of lemon water. It's my time usually to just uh, sit and think. It, it's simple, but it's just my one, you know, that one consistent thing you look forward to every day, that moment of silence for me with three kids. Uh, my hot lemon water and some time to just uh, to just be. <laughs> Love it. 
Last question. Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, man. Uh, if I can say somebody I'd like to meet, it would definitely, I know lots of women are going to agree with this one. It's definitely Oprah Winfrey. I love Oprah. She has this one quote that I love, and it's called, it says, it goes like this. It goes, create the highest, grandest vision possible for your life because you become what you believe. So I love Oprah. She inspires so many people. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. So if you can arrange a meeting with Oprah, listen, I have her on my vision board. She's wearing an orange shirt. We are talking under the oak tree. And if I'm going, I'm bringing my tribe with with me. You bet. We're gonna. That's gonna happen. Did you remember our parents? That they, they, they. There's no like. uh It's just a matter of when. Yeah, and that's gonna happen. Say, hey, Oprah, can can whoever goes first? Okay, if you go first, you okay. go. Say, I have a couple of women that I would like to bring. A couple of thousand. Yeah, a couple of buses. Come on, everybody. In our buses, and then we gotta get there. So if I go, I'll bring you. If you go, you know, bring. Say, I have a community, small community of people around the world that I would like to bring. Absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your journey. Uh, they're really inspiring all of us to to really pivot and go forward. And be, as you said, build a vision that we 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 get to live and and get inspire others. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for the awesome conversation. It was so nice to to talk and get to know you, and uh, I appreciate it very much. And I I really do hope we inspire other women. I think that that's all of us. Uh, we want to do that through through our message. Awesome. Sure. Sure. Believe it. Thanks so much. Thanks again. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.